Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDBE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Prezuda and Matt Williamson. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview. Mike Pursuta along with Matt Williamson. We're getting ready for the Steelers at the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. And the plot thickens. Uh, the news coming out of uh, the south side of Pittsburgh today. Not encouraging, not what the Steelers wanted to hear. But uh, inside linebacker Vince Williams placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. The Steelers announcing that this afternoon. So, uh, scratch Vince Williams uh, out of the mix for the game Sunday night in Buffalo. Uh, the practice report uh, includes cornerback Steve Nelson, knee, a full participant for the second consecutive day. Kicker kissed Chris Boswell, hip, a full participant. But inside linebacker Robert Spillane, knee, did not work for a second straight day. Cornerback Joe Hayden did not work for a second consecutive day. Matt, uh, the Steelers could be looking and an inside linebacking pair of Avery Williamson and Marcus Allen against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it's it's certainly worrisome. I mean, you're down your top three players at that position, including, of course, your, your far and away top guy in Bush. And, and they made some nice adjustments, including, you know, trading for Williamson, no relation, um, after that that move. And that looks like a really smart move at the time now. I mean, thank God they did because they'd be really, really in trouble um, frankly, Allen, to me, is somewhat of a failed experiment, has not been uh, at all impressive to me. Um, Williamson, to me, looks fine. I also think Ulysses Gilbert will probably be in the equation, but I wish we had seen some of him in preseason or whatever. Um, but he has speed. He has traits. I'm a Gilbert fan. I feel like I've been on that bad bandwagon since last preseason. So part of me is holding out hope that he comes in, surprises us, and is, you know, a really, you know, uh, uh, shot in the arm to the defense. That's probably exaggerating things too much, but 
this is a tough team to play against on the second level, too. Not only is Josh Allen a great runner and a dangerous player, but they run a lot of crossing routes and layered routes that are hard on linebacker recognition in the passing game. Yeah, it's a good point about Ulysses Gilbert. He is kind of the wild card in this yeah. whole picture because he's activated uh, in terms of being eligible to practice. Uh, Gilbert's still on IR, but they started that three-week window where he can practice, and then they have to make a decision either before the end of three weeks or by the end of three weeks to either put him on the 53 or put him on IR for the rest of the year or let him go. So uh, the Steelers don't have to update us on his progress. He's not included on the practice report. Uh, also, nothing about Marquise Pouncey, although he theoretically could come off of the reserve COVID-19 list and rejoin the offensive line. Uh, one other mention from today, Matt, wide receiver Chase Claypool illness did not practice. And uh, this being 2020 and everyone dealing with what we're all dealing with, anytime you see illness, you start thinking, uh-oh, at least I do. Although I, I should also tell you that Chris Wormley did not practice yesterday as well because of illness, and he was a full participant today. It is possible in 2020 to be ill or a little bit under the weather and not have COVID-19. <laughs> right. I mean, of course, you hear that, and he was sent home, and oh, no, is there going to be a, a rash of positive tests? And, of course, your mind has to go that way, and it very well could happen. But every year I've been covering this game, somebody goes home with an illness in December, and nobody thinks twice about it. You know, I mean, it's just – People get sick, such as life. You know, the Warmly example is a good one in that um, you miss one day, stay away from the team, come back, get after it. I don't think that that's why Claypool's snaps were reduced last week or anything like that. Um, a couple other guys to mention. I mean, we kind of grazed over it. I think Boswell coming back is certainly a positive sign. Nelson coming back. Well, yeah, back you might be able line. to. Yeah. You might be able to kick a forty-six yard field goal if you have to. Right, those things are important. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I I think Mike Thomas had a strong year. I think he whiffed on that one. Uh, I going don't back disagree. to Washington game. Yeah, I think you got to try it. Uh, you know, clearly you're going to give them field position in a tie game if you miss it. But that's why you have the defense that you have. I think if that kid's your kicker, you got to expect him to do kicker things. And if if you didn't expect him to do kicker things, then you probably should have brought in a different kicker. Uh, I'm assuming that there are a bunch of them on the street that have done this before. Um, I'm going to disagree with you a little in that I remember talking about this so much during the 2018 Boz year where he was really bad, frankly, and cost the team some games. And I'm a believer that there's about 20 good kickers in the world, and they're all employed by 20 different teams, and there's 10 to 12 teams out there constantly searching for kickers because there's not many good ones just sitting on their couch. That being said, this dude they brought in, they're paying to be the kicker that day. Have him do kicker things. Seems like a plan to me. Right. Uh, the, the Bills. They uh, had the center do center report. things, and he wasn't good either. Yeah. Well, you know what? And before I get to the Buffalo stuff, while we're at it, they had a rookie running back do running back things, which in this case included running a route on fourth and one. Uh, this was the field goal that uh, the Steelers didn't kick. They went for it. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger made what I thought was a – Damn near perfect back shoulder throw. And Anthony McFarland spun himself around and got a hand on it, but didn't catch it. Roethlisberger said he should not have thrown a back shoulder to a running back. If it was a wide receiver running the route, then it would have been fine. But he needed to make that easier on McFarland. Matt, uh, I didn't see how they practiced it all week. 
but uh, you know, there's a linebacker with inside coverage, a safety converging from the inside. Man, I think that's a play you got to make if you're wearing an NFL uniform on the receiving end. Yeah, my take on that the second it happened was, it's John Bostic. This team knows how him knows him extremely well. I don't care who the receiver is. I have one on one against John Bostic. We've seen that shorthand, you know, firsthand go against the Steelers, against Bostic. I'm going that direction. And initially, I didn't really have a problem with it. But it was fourth and one. If that was second and 10, I think it's a lot different situation. And I think the point about McFarland, and a lot of that's timing things. When you talk about back shoulder throws, there's a reason Rodgers and Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson are so great at it because it's repetitions and those guys have ball skills. They know the back shoulder fade is coming, where McFarland, that's probably asking a lot. So I think there's some truth in what Ben said. But there's some truth in what you said, too. I mean, the throw was there, make the play. He didn't. And you lose the game as a result. Yeah. You know, uh, at the other end, uh, they got a guy making a one-handed catch on a third down and, and setting up uh, the tie-breaking field goal. That's what it comes down to sometimes. Uh, up in Buffalo – uh, among the uh, Bills practice uh, participation report notables, offensive uh, lineman John Feliciano, he's their right guard, uh, knee and foot. He was downgraded from full to a limited participant. Uh, defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson, uh, who I mentioned because he's a Woodland Hills High School guy and a Pittsburgh guy, uh, he has been upgraded from did not work to limited. He's trying to get past a hip injury. And another significant inclusion, Matt, Wide receiver Andre Roberts, who's their return guy, and a pretty good one. Uh, he's battling an Achilles, limited yesterday, limited today. Roberts, their punt and kick returner. Yeah, and he is a good returner. He doesn't see the field a lot as a receiver, although he has in his career. Um, they play a ton of three and four receiver sets, and John Brown's really their biggest injury. He's on injured reserve, but the rest of their injured reserve list isn't all that extensive at all. Um, it was pretty obvious that most of the season Brown was in and out of the lineup. When he was out, their offense was noticeably worse. Well, that seems to have changed with Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley and the guys that they have. They have a pretty good core of receivers, even without Brown. And then on both lines, I think it's kind of interesting because both their lines, D and O, are kind of constructed the same way. There's not a lot of star power but there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of able bodies. And I think Jefferson and Feliciano fit that mold too. Like, yeah, they're quality players. They're starters. But the guys behind them aren't that much different. Yeah, Gabriel Davis, an interesting guy he is. for Buffalo. Uh, team leading five touchdowns. As you mentioned, that John Brown, was that, that loss was felt hard initially, but not so much anymore. Cole Beasley had a career-high day working out of the slot uh, when the – Buffalo played San Francisco in Arizona. Yeah, welcome to 2020. Of course. Uh, that was, that was the Monday night game Wednesday afternoon, this. right. But uh, you, you mentioned a ton of three wide receivers and four wide receiver sets. I don't know that this was going to be a great matchup for Vince Williams to begin with. My concern is more numbers at the position, particularly because we don't yet know if Ulysses Gilbert will actually be available. Yeah, that's a great point because – I thought, I mean, I was just kind of spitballing, but I thought Williams might even walk down at the right outside linebacker position here and there and do Bud Dupree sort of things as a pass rusher, set the edge. So that's obviously out. You know, that position's a little thin anyway. Um, to your Vince Williams point, 
I thought the second half of the Washington game, Vince Williams looked like a slow target for those swing passes to McKissick time and time again. And that's not how the Bills operate so much. As, you know, they're more of a downfield passing game than the, the yeah. horizontal passing game. And but they, but they have those th- tape machines, right? What's that? They have those tape machines where they can watch the game that the team played the game before. And <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Say, hey, I wonder if we could do that. Yeah, yeah. We like to throw to our back anyway. <laughs> yep. uh, Singletary, Singletary's better in space than he is between the tackles. Why don't we just have him run a little swing pass? Exactly. And, you know, exactly. he could probably catch it. I don't know if he'll panic like a rookie running back might. Right. And that could work. So, yeah. Um, they got, you know, they got to find some answers. Keith Butler was talking about that today, Matt, and – he did his Zoom thing with the media before the news broke about Vince Williams, and he even mentioned how Vince Williams might be effective helping to rush Josh Allen. Uh, Vince Williams is a good pass rusher, I think. Oh, and I he's agree. A good, uh, he's a good run player. Uh, I don't know that you want him running around trying to chase running backs, but that brings me to my theory for this Buffalo game. And, uh, by the way, I was right about the Washington game. You, were, you picked the, you, you picked didn't bring Washington? that up yet. I picked Washington. Remember, I was trying to talk you into that last yeah, Thursday. Yeah, and that nah, rings a bell. I, I put it out of my mind. Yeah. Um, I think as as well as Josh Allen is playing, and I think he's playing great. Yes. I think the way he plays plays into the strength of the Steelers' defense, particularly if they're going to be short an inside linebacker or a little uncertain as to what they can and cannot count on coverage-wise. If they can bring a pass rush without Bud Dupree, which they ought to be able to do. Agreed. He's good without Dupree is with them, but to it, Hayward, Watt, they still have potential to, to get there and cause problems. They're not playing a team that's going to want to get rid of the ball in two seconds and throw it sideways and, oh, we just can't let our guy get sacked. Josh Allen is going to want to hold the ball. He's going to want to extend the play by flushing right, even if the pocket doesn't break down. I think they are, the Bills are going to present the Steelers a lot of opportunities to hit their quarterback. Now, whether they can actually tackle them is another thing, mm-hmm. but As a they got a chance. Passer. They have a chance to do some damage uh, behind the line of scrimmage in this game. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, the Steelers' defensive front, even without Bud, it still has a big advantage against a, a fine offensive line, but nothing great. Um, you're right. Allen's playing tremendous. Boy, was he good against the Niners this past week. As good a game as I've ever seen him play. But by nature. He's a big play guy. He's exp- he's a late in the down player. Go to his second and third reads, improvise, tuck it and run if need be. Monster arm, drive the ball down the yeah. field. And I monster agree with that. arm, monster arm. Uh, and I agree with everything you said. But one thing that does worry me with the, the linebacker situation on the second level is this offense is really well constructed with play action layering their routes to challenge those linebackers, put those guys in conflict, some Matt Canada, like, you know, play you know, jet sweeps and things like that too, that their eyes and their discipline on the second level are going to have to be strong in this game. Also sounds like they're going to have to score some points. Uh, they were doing a pretty good job of that up until the last two weeks when the core of available pass catchers has decided collectively to stop catching the ball. Uh, what is your explanation for this? Do you think it's an aberration, or do you think they're starting to come unglued? Big picture, this and not just this subject, but I thought after re-watching the game, and really Washington was a much better team in the second half than the Steelers, and in a way that game was a tale of two halves. 
I looked at the Steelers and thought pretty much right after watching the game a second time that maybe this is the beginning of the end for the season. You know, that three games in 12 days, injuries, fatigue. This is a beaten up team that has had a great stretch, but um, are on the ropes right now and didn't really have a buy. And the little buy they had was many moons ago. And quarterback's not the youngest guy and, you know, things like that. And, you know, especially after the Ravens game, because the Ravens game was so sloppy too, but they're playing a JV team. And, and I want to kind of excuse the drops away in that regard too, that everyone's just kind of down right now and maybe close to a full week and some normalcy will get them back and some rest, get them back to playing sharper. But overall, the drop situation doesn't really worry me. I think collectively this group of receivers has a good enough track record that that's two weeks of it being an anomaly. But Ebron and Deontay, I don't trust so much. Yeah, I think Ebron had that baggage come with him. Now right. he kept it well. He kept it well hidden uh, at the start of his Steelers career here. But all of a sudden now, this is the guy that okay. This is why he's on his third team in seven years because he will pass up blocking Chase Young at the goal oh, line yeah. when that's when that's his guy, and he will drop the ball on you multiple times. Deontay Johnson's got to get it together. Uh, it's not unprecedented that he drops the ball, but the last two weeks have been extreme and they need that guy making plays in space. They just do. Uh, Got a lot more to get to tonight, so keep it here. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a guy who I've known for a long, long time. One of those uh, favorite uh, NFL media types of mine, Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News and Sirius XM. Uh, He's going to fill us in on the bills and then we'll catch up with Merrill Hodge as we always do. And uh, maybe Merrill will have the answers that we seek. So uh, keep it here. Matt Williamson with Mike Pursuta. We're going to be here till eight o'clock. You're listening to Steelers preview on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers preview show on DVE. Welcome back to Steelers preview. Mike Pursuta along with Matt Williamson. We're here till eight o'clock tonight talking about the Steelers and the bills coming up Sunday in Buffalo. It's our pleasure now to Welcome to the program. Another guy that uh, I've had the pleasure to know for a long time. Uh, our NFL paths have crossed uh, many times. And Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News and uh, Sirius XM uh, has done it at a high level for a long, long time. Another member of the Hall of Fame Board of Selectors. I believe that's the third one of those that we've had on this year. You can't just work for profootballnonsense.com and make it on <laughs> this show. You got to have the goods. And Vic Carucci brings the goods. Vic, welcome to the show. Good catching up. It, it's great to be with you. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was hopeful I could, you know, hang in here one more year before I moved on to profootballnonsense.com. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of openings. Uh, Vic, I got to start with the, the quarterback. Uh, Matt and I were talking in the first segment. Uh, we've both watched this guy, uh, you know, since his arrival. Where does the accuracy come from? How does a guy go from 52.8% as a rookie to 69.9% in terms of completing passes? 80% the other night, and he's throwing ropes. He's throwing it down the field. What did he? Uh, is there an accuracy pill uh, that uh, Pfizer came up with? Uh, did I miss that? Uh, how, how does this occur at this level? Yeah, ho- hopefully that that wasn't a priority for them right now, but uh, but maybe. Uh, but no, Mike, it's this. I, first of all, it does defy the logic, or at least the conventional wisdom, 
that we've been told and, and heard for many, many years. And when I say told and heard, I'm, I'm not just talking about from those who haven't played the game or coached the game. That's really been the source of this, right? You don't become more accurate as a pro when you haven't been accurate at the collegiate level. But I think there were some circumstances and, and some exceptions with Josh Allen from his days at Wyoming. I, I think the surrounding cast had some, some, some contribution to his inaccuracy and uh, a team that uh, when he got to the point of playing uh, getting closer to the draft, it was even fewer people around him, some going on to the, uh, to the NFL or, or some just leaving school. And he was working with a, a much lower deck and, and also had some injuries around him too. Again, these accumulate and they start to sound like excuses. And I also think that coaching or lack thereof had a little bit to do with that as far as the true mechanics. Once he got to the league, and, he, and, and this is the other thing, quarterbacks mostly don't choose where they go, but he ended up in the right place. It did take a couple of years. It wasn't instant because Brian Dayball doesn't show up until his, his uh, you know, his, uh, I mean, he was there for his first season. Ken Dorsey doesn't show up until his second season. And Dorsey was brought along from Carolina, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean. And Dorsey has had a lot to do with his mechanics. But I think the other secret sauce, if there was any, came from Jordan Palmer, his quarterback's coach out in California, Southern California. Uh, as you know, works with a lot of uh, QBs and, and has had a lot of success with them. And I remember talking with Jordan this past January before the whole pandemic thing at least took over and, and in fact, I was, I was at the senior bowl and we were talking by phone and he said to me, he laid out the program and one key thing stuck out with me. And that was, he was going to have uh, a plan that he had to work with Josh is throwing on an incline. In other words, going up like either a hill or steps in a stadium and throwing kind of these rainbow passes as he was going uphill and he said that the trajectory, all of that would be part and parcel to wow. helping him become more accurate on the long ball. So I thought that was you know, one interesting piece of, of the kinds of things he worked on in the offseason. That's really interesting. And, and Allen's been phenomenal and maybe even coming off his best game. And he deserves a ton of credit. But I also think this coaching staff in front office is borderline elite. I mean, really, since they've took over, they've built this thing the right way. And I find it really interesting that since they've arrived, they used a lot of premium draft picks on speed and athleticism on defense, but they've used their money and their cap space to put veterans around Allen. You know, I mean, they bring in guys like John Brown and Diggs and all these offensive linemen as opposed to having him play with rookies and have to bring them along. Yeah, I, th I think last year was – in many ways, a revelation for them. I don't know if there was revelation, but certainly they, they accumulated evidence as to what was lacking, where, where the big holes were. And have they filled every one of them? Of course not. And, and very few teams really get to do that in, in salary cap uh, football. But they did address what they needed to address, especially as it pertained to maximizing Allen's skill. And they saw gains where there was in, in one of them in particular was against the Ravens where there was, you know, a missed opportunity in the end zone for what would have been a go ahead, possibly winning touchdown. 
And and I think it was at that moment that Brandon Bean and his personnel people kind of all looked at each other and said, "We we got to do something about that. We got to get a guy who you know who get, who gets deep, who can make plays." And and when Bean saw and there was people saw the uh, a tweet, basically some social media noise that uh, Stefan Diggs was making about his unhappiness in Minnesota. That was the opening to approach the Vikings and see if something could happen. Now, you know, Mike Zimmer will say, you know, we didn't intend to, to do this and, and uh, we weren't, or, or, you know, we weren't going in with the intention of making this deal, uh, but the bills overwhelmed us with their offer. And it was a strong offer, but, and, and it got, it got some early panning, as you know, Oh, they gave up all this money for this guy who wasn't happy there, who, who couldn't get along you know, with with his with the the quarterback uh, there, and 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 couldn't um, you know could if he can't get if he doesn't like a, a scheme or he doesn't like uh, a quarterback, what makes you think he comes to Buffalo and he's going to like Josh Allen and he's going to like the situation? If Kirk Cousins couldn't make it work for him, why is Josh Allen going to a younger, less accomplished guy? Uh, and and how long before he kind of goes off? Well, there was some gamble, some risk to that, but he's been everything and more in terms of what they could hope he'd be as a dynamic playmaker and as someone who just has helped open things up for everyone else. It's really a scheme. And and I know the Steelers have have had a similar deal going there with their passing game, but a scheme where a defense says, who the heck are we going to cover? Somebody is going to be open every play. Vic, defensively, uh, maybe it's more of an offensive emphasis now with the talent and the emerging quarterback. I see a defense that is, in my opinion, at least good but not great. I think maybe uh, Tremaine Edmonds is on his way to becoming a real big-time splash player uh, on the way, not there yet. Uh, Tredavious White, a productive, uh, real good corner, maybe not an all-pro. And then a bunch of other guys that are just flying around and playing hard. But uh, what do you see? Well, I, I would disagree on White. I think White's a solid all-pro. Uh, he's been that pretty much most of the time. Uh, again, you don't see a lot of numbers with interceptions because teams stay away from him, as they should, and they can find better alternatives to attack on the other side. Uh, Edmonds, it's been up and down. Uh, he showed a lot of early flash uh, and then kind of faded a, a bit. And, and early this year, there were serious questions as to Gee, what what is the deal? This guy does not look anything close to a first rounder. Uh, looks like maybe he's miscast in the middle of a defense. Gets overpowered a lot. Uh, just was missing on things. Then you saw him the other night, Monday night, uh, and making a, a huge stop at the goal line and a nice play in coverage. And it, it just it feels like a lot has come back for him. Now he was dealing with a shoulder issue. Uh, he's not a kid who's going to you know, go on and on about a, about an injury and, and make excuses for himself. Most of these guys generally won't do that. Uh, but in general, I think that there were some underlying issues that seem to be coming around. And, and the other thing is the safeties, uh, especially Jordan Poyer, who's having his best year. And he's been having solid years right along. I think he's going to get his first Pro Bowl nod. Micah Hyde's been a good compliment on, on that other side. And at linebacker, they've had injuries. Uh, Matt Milano's missed a lot of the season. Him coming back to the lineup has been huge. But in the meantime, A.J. Klein, who was kind of a, you know, not a factor early on, and there was a lot of thought that he just is a body in, in there, has become a playmaker uh, and, and really involved. Where they're lacking, and I, I go along with your good, not great thought, but I think where that comes into play the most, Mike, is the, is the D-line. 
Uh, Stalo Tulele, the tackle, opts out for the season because of, of the pandemic. Uh, they miss his big, bulky presence and run stuffing for sure. Uh, and they've been getting burned on, on some gouge, you know, some, uh, some, they've been getting gouged on a lot of run plays. Um, and, and I think the, the rest, uh, Harrison Phillips has been not great. Uh, he's been okay, but, but he's coming in uh, ACL injury from last year. You could see some lingering issues from there. Uh, and in general, you know, Vernon Butler stepped up occasionally, but they, they've just got some guys who, who I think play decently schematically, but, uh, and, and when they're rotated, but nothing great in, in the in the front line. A lot of good defensive stuff there, Vic. And it, it's kind of shocked me that the Bills haven't been a top-end defense like they have in the last couple of years. Like, you look at them on paper, the safeties, the linebackers, they're a good group, white. And do you think their biggest offseason need is either a difference maker in the front line on defense? Because, like you said, they have a lot of guys, but they don't have a stud or even a, a second corner. It seems like outside of white, their corners are pretty lackluster. I, I think you're, you're right. Uh, if I'm, if, if you're putting together a need list for 2021, you start with defense. They, they've got to get some more factor players. Uh, again, on the assumption that a Starla Tulele comes back, I, I think that could help alleviate some concern, but you, you still got to get some more pass rush help. And Jerry Hughes is getting older. Uh, still a player, still still around the ball, still still gets off the edge a bit. But uh, you know, Trent Murphy was a, was a move they made a couple of years ago, hoping that he would become coming off of of a big knee injury that he had uh, in Washington, become what they want him to be, and, and it hasn't happened. And he's been he's been inactive. I mean, that's the, to that extent uh, of what they've had there. Uh, look, it's a it's a team driven right now by this passing game. This ability to score, they haven't had. They didn't have that last year by a lot. So they've come back strong with that. Got to, got to find some help in the running game consistently. I think there's still some talent there. O-line is, you know, this entire offense has one first-rounder, and his name is Josh Allen. Everybody else is everybody else. They, they play, I mean, Stephon Diggs has obviously outplayed his draft status. Cole Beasley has been tremendous. Cannot forget mentioning him. Uh, as as really the latter, he is he is Julian Edelman incarnate. That he is everything I think Edelman has been, and, and I'm not going to say more because Edelman also had a guy named Tom Brady working with him for a lot of years. But as as they've developed that chemistry, um, Beasley and, and and Allen, you see that coming together. But the defense definitely has to get short up, and I'm sure for Sean McDermott, defensive rooted guy, uh, it, it's not it's not easy for him to go into every week knowing. If they're going to win, they're going to win because they, they score a lot, not necessarily because they keep the points down. Vic, last thing for you. Um, the team has broken through into uh, the double-digit win category. It's gotten to the postseason. Is this group, I think I can or I know I can? I think it's a, I know I can, um, and, and it's interesting. Uh, the news of today, as, as you're aware, they extended the contract of Brandon Bean, the general manager, uh, something I thought should have been done back before the season when they extended Sean McDermott's contract, but you could see uh, a definite feel throughout the organization, Mike, of like you put it, I know I can, that they're, they're at a point of arrival. They trust what they have going. So they put these two guys that they brought in in 2017 on a, you know, on another path of, of, of long-term uh, presence and building and, and they trust what they've done. Um, I think just looking at the competitive 
level of the league and especially the AFC, I don't see why they can't be right there with the Steelers, with the Chiefs, with pretty much anybody in the AFC uh, that they can, you know, yeah, they lost to Tennessee and Kansas City in those back-to-back games, and those are hard to forget. Uh, But I also think they've become better in, in other ways since then uh, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, is pushing the buttons in, in, as well as anybody can, and I think he will become a head coach after this season. Uh, they're going to lose him, uh, but I think you know I think they look at themselves as a real player in in the postseason. Well, I'll tell you what: if, if Josh Allen keeps throwing it the way he did the other night, <laughs> they may they may not just get to the level of those teams you mentioned; they may go soaring past. Uh, Vic, it was really great catching up. Uh, I'm sorry I won't be uh, at the game this weekend, but uh, you know what kind of year it is. I'm not uh, going anywhere but to my basement every day to talk into this yep. fancy radio equipment I've got hooked up. And uh, you know, maybe maybe someday down the road. Uh, until then, thank thank you so much for uh, being with us, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. No, it's a, it's always a pleasure to be with you guys and uh, and talk at ball. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be a very exciting game Sunday night. Yeah, me too. Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News, Sirius uh, XM, and the Hall of Fame Board of Selectors. When uh, Matt and I return, we're going to be joined by the third member of our weekly team. That would be Merrill Hodge, and I hope Merrill's got some answers because the Steelers have some questions heading into this game Sunday night in Buffalo. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Back to the Steelers Preview Show on DVE. Welcome back to the show. Mike Pursuta along with Matt Williamson until 8 o'clock tonight here on Steelers Preview. want to thank our previous guest, Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News and Sirius Satellite XM uh, for joining us last segment. wanted to thank Vic one more time. And uh, just to clarify, uh, I'm aware Tredavious White was uh, an all-pro last year. I just didn't think he was playing quite up to that level this year, but he does have three interceptions in his last four games, so uh, maybe he's going to prove me wrong on that as the season progresses. But uh, Tredavious White might be the least of the Steelers' concerns right now. Uh, as to what the, most of their concerns are, maybe our next guest, Merrill Hodge, can fill us in. Merrill, are you worried about more worried about what the Bills have or what the Steelers don't have going into Sunday night? It's becoming what they don't have, boys, um, especially the linebacker depth. That's got to be a big concern. Um, a, play, a position of strength now becomes a position of concern. You know, they got good players there, but you know, they, you know, with the, when you're rotating, you know, seven, eight guys every game, there's there's value in that as far as how you feel in the fourth quarter, and uh, they're not going to have that luxury, you know. And you got guys now that are going to be playing, you know, that haven't don't have a lot of reps. You know, one of the big touchdowns. Um, that that Washington had actually was a mistake in the linebacking core. You know, they didn't carry, they didn't pass it off and carry the right guy out and end up being a touchdown. So that's, that's a mental error from guys that aren't playing a lot. And um, I would just tell you this, when Buffalo sees that, um, they'll do a lot of stuff like that to challenge those linebackers in passing off things and reading things together um, when they see you make mistakes like that. So um, that's just a sign for things to come, especially if you're dealing with people who haven't had a lot of reps too. Merrill, to me, the second half of that Washington game, I really thought the Steelers looked like a, a beaten up and tired team that had played three games in 12 days and had a tough run. 
Do you agree? I mean, do you think they were at a low point physically? Well, you could argue. Well, and they could be. You know, um, I, I can just tell you this. You know, I uh, you, if you looked at them offensively, they um, it, it was the very, their very first run of the game actually was an if it was if you ever saw the very first game run of the game um, was a sign of things to come. They ran the football and the Steeler offensive line absolutely got destroyed. I mean, just absolutely destroyed. There was no running lane. There was no movement at the line of scrimmage. Um, and when you watch just about how you should play the game, I mean, my gosh, Washington, they, they just look, they look so much more sound and fresh and had more energy um, just in the trench aspect of things. Um, and that continued, you know, um, uh, the whole game. Um, those things can be, you know, and there was a lot of mental mistakes too, you know, and oftentimes we don't mention that in the running game. I mean, you got guys, two guys blocking the same guy, nobody blocking the inside linebacker. You got guys tripping over each other because they're going to the wrong person. Um, Eric Ebron completely misses Chase Young on the fourth down play, or that's a touchdown because they have the the point of attack. They got him pushed in the end zone, but he can't get there because Ebron goes too far in the motion. And that's a mental error because that's on him. Um, that's exactly what he should do. Stop before Chase Young and cut him off. So, there's just so many things that were, you know, self-inflicted, quite honestly. You know, some things Washington did, yes. But a lot of things that were self-inflicted, the Steelers did, especially offensively. At this point, Merrill, is it is it fixable? Do you just hope to be able to run the ball once in a while? Do you have to go back to the yeah. drawing board? Or at this point, mm-hmm. do you say, hey, it is what it is, get in a shotgun and, and spread them out and yeah. chuck it all well, over the yard? Good. If you if you say you know it is what it is, you're you're you could lose you could lose two of your last three. You could lose two of your last three if that's if that's the approach. And I don't believe that for a second. That's what's happening in these rooms. I think first of all to answer your question right off the bat, yes, it's all fixable. You know, I mean, let's use the Eric Hebron thing. That is a an assignment, responsibility, accountability. Stop before the guy. That's your your job. All you got to do is cut him off too. I'm not even asking you to block him. I'm just asking you to stand in his way while he runs you over because he can't get to our running back <laughs> if you do that. That's all I'm asking you. Okay, so, yes, that's correctable. I just need, Eric, I need you to put yourself in front of him and let him run you over this time. Um, how you go about understanding what front they're in so when we're running the football, we're not blocking. This, two guys aren't blocking one guy, and we're letting the inside linebacker run free. Correctable. How we come off the ball standing up with our chest. I'm exposed, putting our hands out, um, which is horrendous blocking technique. No, we're going to have leverage. We're going to bend our knees, sink our hips. We're going to strike the pads that we, we that we issue to you. We're going to use them. Okay, we're going to strike people with those. We're going to move people off the ball. I mean, yes, you can correct all those things that I'm talking about. You know, I mean, by doing those things, and you know, it really, you know, you know, Mike, I know you you, you like this because I say it a lot, but. You know, don't underestimate a professional when they've been embarrassed. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If you watch it, they went in and watched like the tape on, on Sunday. If they watch the tape on I do like everybody, that. everybody in the trench just has to be embarrassed. I mean, embarrassed in every phase from assignments to technique to effort. Um, this is bad. So, um, and Buffalo has had some problems in there. And, you know, they, they're a team that plays nickel a lot. You know, if people don't know what that is, that's five defensive backs, regardless of what you have on the field. You know, you have two tight ends um, and, a, and a back and two wide receivers, and they'll play nickel on you. 
you know, and they do that a lot, you know, so shoot, you're getting a little guy down there, you know, and that might be some of the reasons they've had some issues defending the run, but, um, you know, it's a team that is is not like Washington was. Let's put it this way: in the box, I guess it's a pleasure, but they do not play the run quite as well as Washington, and they're not as good across the board in the trenches. So this is a team, really, that you know you you could get your running game going, but you're going to have to correct all of those things that I just mentioned, or it's going to be the same result um, that you've had the last few weeks, quite honestly. Merrill, I think the Steelers have an interesting dilemma with their offensive skill position players. You're going to have five offensive linemen, Ben, and five others out there, of course. And recent drops aside, I think they have four really good young receivers, and Ebron's a receiving threat. But we're seeing a lot of snaps of Hawkins and Samuels and Watt and McLeod, and then you don't have your best players on the field. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think they're trying to create. I'll tell you this. Let, let's go to um, maybe some of the issue when you talk about just the running back issue, mm-hmm. um, which is actually another concern. You know, nobody, the people who have been back there have struggled with pass protection. Um, last week, they really did. Um, and I can just tell you what happens in the NFL. Once they identify a problem, we've already talked about their linebackers didn't pass things off and handle things very well. Okay. Well, Buffalo is going, we're doing that all day long. Okay, if we're going to do a bunch of that stuff, and we're going to see if these cats can figure it out. If they can't, they're going to get a whole dose of it, and they're going to keep getting it until they can show they can handle it. So you can expect that coming from Buffalo. Now, when you think about pressures, Buffalo actually already pressures your back anyway. They'll bring five guys, you know, and they'll bring the way um, five guys and put it in a position where the back has to protect. You know, they'll come away from the slide. They're going to make that back block i mean ben's couple hits were because the back made a mistake um so i think they're trying to find somebody back there that you know a can create your matchup but also can handle some pressures you know they have that issue going with them connor Um, would stabilize that a little bit though don't you think yes i think yes i think he does a better job back there you know he's had his moments too though Mm -hmm. you know that's been a position of they don't have that's not really a strong position that they have on that team or a guy you could trust a guy that's gonna and that guy back there because I played it for so long, isn't just a guy who blocks his guy. It's oftentimes a guy who covers up and blocks somebody. You know, listen, offensive line, Dick Hoke was the best. I mean, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He was the best teacher at this. He's like, hey, Merrill, listen, these guys have people in their face two inches from them, okay? We at least, me, meaning you, have five yards of depth, okay? They might make a mistake. So I have to understand what they're doing and what my responsibility is. So they might get my guy. i got to take their guy. You know, you got to be able to adjust and help out so your quarterback doesn't get hit. And, um, you know, and that, that's a real, you know, that back back there gets ignored a lot and he does a lot of those things, the guys that can do it really well. You know, they cover for mistakes that happen up front with those with those big guys that um, have people in their face right off the bat. So, and, and, and save your quarterback a hit and give him a chance to throw the football. So, um, but, yes, I think James would help, will help in that situation because I think they've struggled the last couple of weeks because he hasn't been there. Merrill, last thing for you. Uh, we've talked a lot about the drops. I know Ebron's got a little bit of a history of that. Deontay Johnson yeah. in his brief career has has been occasionally unsure-handed. But what I've seen the last two weeks, I haven't seen previously in terms of uh, across the board. Uh, is this an aberration, or are you starting to scratch your head and wonder if these guys are as good as we thought they were for the first 9, 10, 11 weeks? 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I can tell you, Mike, it, it is a really fine line how this is approached in meetings and on the field, you know, and, and how people respond to it. Cause you can kill a guy's confidence right now. I mean, you know, people that are have dropping the, I dropped the ball in a few games and it has become now a, a topic of conversation. So everybody is mentioning it. Don't you think for one second, the Buffalo bills, the wash, the Washington team weren't talking about that too. And John Adam. So you got everybody's going to be talking about you can't catch a ball. You're going to drop it. So you're going to have to find ways to build their confidence up. And the best way I have ever experienced that is from a coaching perspective. I don't want to go in and beat them up. Beat them. Okay, that's not beating them up and telling them I got to catch the ball is Captain Obvious. Not going to be Captain Obvious. So work hopefully done all week of working on drills to develop the real habits that come to being a good catch, a ball catcher securing it and then running with it, you know, and hopefully because they've worked on it, that it'll translate to Sunday. And after a few weeks with no drops, it'll be a distant memory. But if they keep dropping them, uh, then it's going to be, it's a plague. And then you can't play with that. You know, you got to get them off the field and that's hard because it isn't like you got a bunch of people to replace them with. So I wonder uh, if that's a fragile wide receiver room because of their age too. Well, I, there's no doubt. I think you know it's a really good. That's a really good point. I mean, that's why how you coach these guys is important. I think it. Listen, if you have to tell them, hey, this is this is the National Football League, and it's not for long. If you keep doing that, okay, I think they already know that. To repeat that is not helping them, you know. And so that's why I think good coaching is about helping guys. Um, now. If they don't perform, that's why I get the other one. A coach has all the power but no control. Okay, so once they enter the white line, it is on them. How they handle it and what they do is on them. So they can change this by translating everything that we've worked on to get better, those detailed things that matter, the intense focus of catching it and securing it before I leave, you know, being really heightened from that perspective until we start to develop our confidence again and it becomes a distant memory. It's going to take some work to get there, but if they can do that in the next couple of weeks, you know, we'll talk about, Hey, remember when, you know, but if it keeps happening, it's, it's really going to be a problem. Merrill, great stuff. Appreciate it. As always, we'll uh, talk to you next week, getting ready for Cincinnati. Amen guys. All right, brother. Go Steelers boys. That was uh, Merrill Hodge, and that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks to Mer- thanks to Merrill. Thanks to our guest uh, Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News and Sirius Satellite XM. Thanks to Matt Williamson, who uh, always brings it uh, alongside of me here. Thanks to thanks Tom to you, behind Mike. the glass for keeping us up on here. Ah, yeah, hey, I'm <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just calling plays and handing it off. But uh, thanks for the thanks. Uh, we'll do this again next Thursday. Until then, for Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. You've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.